Welcome to the one within all to another episode of Innerverse Podcast. I'm your host, Chance, and we got a real bag of zingers for you today. <laughs> Been so excited, electrically charged to get into a conversation with this guy right here, Gabriel, aka Slick Dissident on YouTube. His channel is rather new to the scene, but if you want my uh, take on it, this is some of the most relevant information that you could be diving into right now if you're interested in mapping the capital T truth to the capital R reality of your everyday lived experience using the decoder ring Gabriel provides through knowledge of the tarot to unlock the secrets and mysteries of all the hexes, spells, and even blessings available in the realm coming through these glow boxes that we're all <laughs> currently using in this ramping up Uranian age. I've got to say, um, if you want a point of why Gabriel is probably on point, I can't even get the bell to let me get notifications on his YouTube channel. Homie's got wow. a small channel right now and it doesn't work. I hit the bell and instead of getting the option for like all or personalized or some notifications, it takes me to my settings screen on my phone in settings that are completely irrelevant to YouTube. It's like, I cannot make it work. So YouTube is messing with you. YouTube messes with me and that's fine, but good way to uh, <laughs> guess that there's some gravy in the mix. So I'm just going to get us started with talking to Gabriel. We have so many possible tangents and topics and webs to weave. Uh, I'll, I'll point out that Gabe's also been popping in on Weaving Spiders Welcome, a show you've maybe heard me talk about a lot. I also enjoy occasionally co-hosting there whenever I've got the time. The, <laughs> the minds converging there are just phenomenal. Previous guest Alan Marcus is part of that crew as well, but there's a lot of them. Uh, we hang out on Telegram. We're constantly keeping the information channels connected and making the connections. And yeah, so times are good right now. It, it's all expanding. We're having fun and we are growing into knowledge of self, both the uh, personal self and the greater self of the entire cosmos. Life is awesome. I'm so excited to talk to Gabe, a.k.a. Slick Dissonant. So let's get into it. What's up, man? Welcome. How are you doing today? And Thanks for being here. Oh, wonderful, Chance. Thank you so much for inviting me, man. This is great. It's like finding a family I never knew I had and I've been looking for for a long time. So thanks for inviting me into the circle. <laughs> That's how I feel too, man. All these uh, amazing other creators out there that are part of a growing, almost like organic network or spider web work. <laughs> yep. There's yep. a lot of us. There's Lindsay, the Rogue Ways. There's weaving spiders. There's, there's you, there's me, there's more than that. But, uh, Alan, our mutual friend from the spiders, he suggested I kick off this conversation with a question about how you became dissident and what you're dissenting against <laughs> who or what or why. Nice. nice. Great question. So, uh, essentially, uh, you know, that term for me, uh, comes from, uh, uh, I believe it was Bush Sr.'s speech uh, when uh, he mentioned a, a thousand points of light and, you know, was uh, making a, an, a statement of absolutes that you're either with us or you're against us, you know. And when he drew that line in the sand, you know, it was as though the decision was made for me. And uh, so, yeah, I uh, I am... 
an advocate of, you know, natural law or what he would call the law of the jungle. And, you know, a lot of my mentality uh, is, uh, you know, raging against the machine, so to say, but, uh, you know, Darwinism and, you know, that divine right to rule, you know, that is the, uh, the jurisdiction that he was claiming would uh, inevitably win against the law of the jungle. And, uh, you know, uh, so that name, Slick Dissident, was essentially derived from that, you know, that uh, we've been carved out of society and it's time to, you know, to build a place for ourselves uh, in that in that dominion. And there's a lot to there's a lot of value in being cast out. You know, we uh, we basically they get the city and we get they get the material and we get the spiritual. So, you know, when he did that, he did, he did us a favor. And uh, and we have uh, we have so much growth and uh, so little limitation uh, to what we can do in that in that natural law, in that, you know, that fundamental truth that they are trying to cast an overlay and, uh, you know, the world of illusion on top of that. So uh, that's kind of where that name came from. And, uh, you know, I was uh, spent quite a bit of time just in the background absorbing, being a listener, being an observer. Uh, and I uh, barely ever would, you know, put comments in the chats, you know, uh, but re uh, recently I noticed that, you know, the fight took on a new new dimension and new level of severity. And, you know, it was time to get in and start start building the resistance, if you will. And so, yeah, that's when I started my channel. I knew that I had some things that I wanted to uh, put into con into the consciousness that seemed very valuable. And uh, it just I felt like the, you know, the stage was set and it was time for my cue to jump in and start uh, start ranting and see if anybody takes to it. So that's kind of what uh, that's what got me into this place. And I'm so glad the message has been uh, received, heard, appreciated and valued. Well, you can tell the difference between people that start a channel because they just want to be seen versus the people that are like, all right, this, st this stuff in my head needs to get out there. And so I was kind of more on the, I just wanted to have fun and make a show. I mean, I knew it was for growing sake, but like me having something to say personally, it took a while to get there where it's my own, my own original thoughts are coming through and I'm connecting dots for myself. But with you, it's like right out the gate. There's yeah, you're, you're uh, referencing other people's work. You're building on other people's work. We all do that, but you've got some amazing originality to it. And to there's a lot to address about what you just said for sure. As of the last couple of years, 2020, the die has been cast <laughs> and uh, there might be a lot of death in this particular hex. Like that's also radically transformative. That's that plutonic number 13, but the city, right? That's the false city the powers that are being harvested out of us through these technological inverted circuit board design of, you know, Masonic grid work that we call what I say, Masonic free Masonic. I think a lot of that grid work was just bolted on top of 
that was an, a more native thing that actually had a positive spin to the charge. And it's been switched to an energetic harvesting instead of an energetic harmonizing type of system. I don't yeah. think that we have to avoid the concept of congregating in a city. I think that it's a different type of city that we should be pursuing. Our spiritual power, our the the uh, amazing potential in our uniqueness that we can grasp once we have reconnected that divine spark and gone native. And what they do is yeah. they try to cast us as the altar natives, but what we really are is the natives. And it's yeah, we we've talked about that, and I know you loved that little word twist. I so I thought I'd bring it up again. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, uh, where to go from there? Question you know, wise. I'm, I'm I want to put something on Please overlay, do. build on what you just put out. The word uh, city in Hebrew is tele, tele. And so we have the television, the telephone, the, you know, but what you and I are doing is we're, we're uh, blazing telepathy. We're creating a path through the city. You know, making our own way. We're blazing our own path through this city that they're building up around us. Dude, my actual real life telepathy lately yeah. is off the charts. I mean, we talked a little bit before we got on the air. Some of it's pertaining to sound healing stuff. And just speaking of charts, one thing that helped me gain some trust about it was that looking at my chart with somebody, they're pointing out an aspect of Neptune in my config that basically causes my knowing aspect of just inherent knowing of things to be clouded from me in the sense that I don't know why I know things, but I can trust that when I think I know it, that I do know it. And I've been rolling with that. And it's really awesome because if you know that you're trustworthy, you're in alignment with natural law, the law of nature to the best of your ability, you want to be good. You are expressing goodness at all everywhere you can and feeling good, you know, coherent in your electrical field, then whatever it is that you pop in your mind and think, you know, no reason not to trust that because you're trustworthy. And even if it's a little off, it still might lead you somewhere cool. So anyway, you've got a lot of knowing <laughs> one of the things that is so helpful about your channel. I haven't managed to get through every video, but dang, I've been trying and I've definitely caught the recent ones, but Let's talk about your YouTube project, some of the origin stories here, because specifically the Tarot Avengers, the origin stories of these modern day gods wearing spandex, how you've mapped the 22 Marvel movies to the major arcana. And there's a lot of tarot work in your work that's very helpful. Tarot's the truth, right? But give us yeah. some give us some background on that project and on why it is so crucial to put things through the lens of the greatest story ever told in this set of cards. Nice. Yes. Yeah, so that was, that was what got me off my, you know, my seat and put me into, into action. You know, uh, I almost, I'm a little ashamed that the thought ever occurred to me that, Oh, somebody else will find this. Somebody else will do the work. You know, I really had those thoughts and I was, I spent a little time, Har, you know, uh, harboring this hope that somebody else would make the connection. Um, but once I, once I started to, you know, give life to the idea, it, it built itself and it became, um, you know, a live action learning experience, you know, a lot of, 
you know, my videos, I'm, I'll make a mistake and I'll, the next video you'll see me come in and say, nah, maybe, re, you know, rearrange, uh, put an addendum on what I thought I knew before. And so, uh, and uh, the other thing is, you know, technology is not my forte. Um, and so, you know, I'm facing a lot of my own weaknesses and, uh, you know, uh, uh, conquering a lot of my own demons live in front of everybody. So um, the tarot of the Avengers has been essentially my a documentation of my learning process of, uh, of uh, coming to a deeper understanding of what the tarot means. And um, it was just amazing that, you know, my mother had dug up an old tarot deck right around the time that I was thinking I should get off my ass and start doing my own, you know, research on this, you know, what this tarot means. Um, and so I was watching some other channels that were very tarot oriented. And I'll just, I'll, I'll kind of put this into my bio. Uh, I come from a, a line of some, uh, some, Clairvoyance, uh, you know, my family is uh, very matriarchal. There are, uh, my grandfather was the last patriarch and he passed away some uh, 30 years ago, maybe a little more. And, um, and so my family was very matriarchal uh, for most of my life. And I have an aunt who's a very accomplished witch. And uh, she answered her calling when I was young, when I was maybe 10 uh, and by the time I was 15 or 16, uh, she had a bookshop of, uh, of a magical bookshop of, you know, alternative healing, uh, alternative spirituality. And she opened it right in the middle of downtown in uh, conservative Indiana, you know, and it was a very bold move for, for uh, in that time, in that place. And, uh, and she let me come to work for her for a very short, a brief period of time. And in that time, I was uh, literally, I, I was ripe for the intake of all that information. And I started learning about crystals and uh, yeah, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Powerful. You know, it's funny because I just literally five seconds before you said crystals and continue, but you, you were about to say crystals. I grabbed this badass smoky quartz I've got. And then like three seconds later, you're like crystals. And I was like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it is, it's amazing. Uh, you know, and uh, picking up books on spells and, you know, learning about like, I learned a spell when I was, when I was, you know, I guess 14 or so. I learned about this spell where you would put a broom under your floorboards in, uh, in old colonial times, and you would cast a spell such that if an unwelcome intruder came into the house, they would uh, be overwhelmed with the compulsion to dance, and then they would dance themselves to exhaustion. And I just thought that was such a fascinating concept, such a fascinating idea. And as I went through my life, just with that little story in the back of my head, it started to substantiate itself in amazing ways, you know. Um, and I've learned, uh, have you heard of the dancing plague? 
Oh yeah. I bring that up all the time. It's so far yes. out. Yes. And it, there is, you know, maybe historical- like give uh, give people who haven't heard of it, the context of that as we continue forward. Yeah. So uh, apparently uh, I'm not a hundred percent on the location. I think it was in colonial America. Or was I it thought it was a, a European thing. You, okay. you continue Europe? describing what it is and I'll pop in after yeah. I search that on the, okay. the wikis, the official story of history. <laughs> yeah. So apparently a girl uh, begins dancing uh, compulsively and she cannot stop. She uh, is wandering through the, the village and she is uh, dancing uncontrollably with no music. And uh, slowly but surely the, the crowd begins to, uh, you know, observe her. And it's almost like the spirit starts to spread into the onlookers. And the next thing you know, there's 10 people dancing with her. And then the, you know, the word spreads, people go and tell their families, Hey, there's a dance. You know, this is like the original, uh, what do they mob flash mob? You know, and uh, so then people can tell the people and people come to watch. And then the watchers, some of them are inspired and they start moving and it just catches on. And uh, uh, ultimately, the, it goes on for days and people dance themselves to exhaustion. Some people are collapsing. And it said uh, that it was in 1518 and it was actually like from July to September in France, actually, Strasbourg, France, I think. Wow. Wow. So a lot of dancing. <laughs> that is a lot of dancing. And yeah, they talk about, you know, people collapsing, some people dying, you know, uh, and then there's accounts of people uh, like stomping their feet uh, really hard as though their feet are uh, in, in some sort of pain or itching or uh, and they would even lay on their back and ask other people to like scratch or itch their feet for them. And um, it's just a fascinating story, and it it, uh, it gives a kind of a glimpse into the psycho the primitive. I guess I don't really like that word, uh, but you get, it, we got to use it. But it is it's a you know the primitive impact of of dance magic, the ma- yeah. the magic of movement. That word just recalls darwinian theory you know you're primative yeah okay <laughs> you silly yeah. monkeys right that you it's can so go ahead and be a monkey's uh, nephew or whatever <laughs> I'm, yeah i'm good yeah. yeah it's so funny how many words that you know uh you have to use because you don't have anything else but we'll work you know i'll work i'll try to find a good replacement for that one but i feel like there's so much power in neologism it's just the uh, yeah. the memory to keep it in fresh in mind. It'd be like, and also you have to repeat yourself whenever someone's like, what do you mean by a strong beginning? I'm, I'm like, I mean, Saturday and Sunday <laughs> instead of a weekend, <laughs> nice, <laughs> you know, how about nice. a strong beginning? Nice. Yes. Neologism. I like that. That one's uh, a- mate, That's when you create a word that hasn't been used elsewhere. It's a great word. Neologism. That's awesome. You're such a good resource for these. <laughs> I tried. I mean, I love, words are my favorite. That's great. So maybe, you know, instead of primitive, we should just say ancestral. You that know? works. Yeah. Distant, distant ancestral. 
even primal instead of primitive. I'm cool. There with. we go. There's yeah. A lot, yeah. There's a lot of alternative words <laughs> that we don't have to fall into the ones that are clearly hexy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, in, um, you know, feel free to circle to this if you had more to go through in where we were already, mm-hmm. but yeah, I want I, to, I, <sighs> a, I do have a little more. Okay. I've got my the, notes ready. So no worries. Go for it. Okay. So yeah, just the idea that, you know, dance is, is, uh, can be compulsive, can, uh, can be contagious. Um, and it's, it's just beautiful to me looking back at, on all those years of just holding on to a spell and seeing how true it, it has been in history and how true it has become in my own life. Um, ultimately, uh, many years later, uh, I, uh, I was a martial artist as a child, and uh, so I still consider myself a martial artist, but uh, I have uh, uh, gone through many styles and many lineages of uh, various cultural martial arts, but the one that I've, uh, I've landed on and I'm here to stay is capoeira. And capoeira is, uh, is considered uh, ritualistic Afro-Brazilian dance fighting. And, and it is essentially the roots of breakdance. I've never heard of that before. It's, it's phenomenal. Uh, okay. It's really phenomenal. So, and this, you know, this kind of builds into my bio a little bit. Um, so uh, when I was 12, I was into Taekwondo. And hey, me too, at the age of 12. Yeah, I made nice. it to Red Belt. Got pretty All fun. right, same. Yeah. Hey, nice. sink. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, I uh, had an opportunity to go to the YMCA with my uh, instructor, with my teacher, who was uh, just a brick house of a macho man with a so uh, such a soft soul, you know, he was such a healer. Um, and, you know, he was a bodybuilder, uh, but he was like the quintessential uh, spiritual warrior, you know, and uh, his name, Master Myers was his name. And, um, and he was teaching at the YMCA for uh, women and children, uh, particularly. And, um, it was just beginners courses uh, for people who had memberships at the Y, and he invited me to come and be his assistant instructor. And uh, after a couple of years of doing that, I received the badge of instructor uh, of the instructor, and it was a very big badge. You know, it was like big. It was the, one of the biggest ones you could get. It was pretty badge ass. It was badge ass. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> yeah, and that was uh, that was my uh, you know my earliest form of building my self-esteem, you know, and, uh, and I just took that and I ran with it, you know, whatever other degrees or accomplishments in life I've had, that's the one that I, uh, still to this day, uh, that I, I value the most. So I then, um, uh, after college, I went off to Ball State University in Muncie, Indiana on the 40th parallel. Ball State. (laughs) Ball State. You got it. You got it, man ball jars. Um, so uh, after college, I was leaning back into my martial arts abilities, you know, playing to my strengths, so to say. 
And um, I was really getting into um, Japanese, Aikido, Kendo, swordsmanship, and, you know, the philosophy of the warrior, the, um, the five rings and things like that. And, um, and I read that any true warrior would be completely irresponsible to focus all of their energy on doing damage or destruction or harm. And that it is required to take on the responsibility of healing. If you're going to know how to do harm, you must know how to do remedy. And uh, that's when I realized how imbalanced my mentality was. I like Tolkien because there, I mean, it's not in the movies at all, but there's this entire thread about Aragorn regarding the hands of the king are the hands of the healer. And it's so important. Because the king defends the realm, must be able to do violence in the appropriate sense, but also bring balance and heal the people spiritually, physically. And Aragorn actually knows the ancient ways of certain plants uh, to bring healing that become, you know, they foreshadow it in the Fellowship of the Ring with this plant King's Foil that helps Frodo survive the wounding from the king of the Nazgul, who is the king who doesn't have any healing, just, just vicious violence, you know. And then later in the book, when that Nazgul uh, king is defeated by Eowyn and Mariadoc, they are both put into a near death state from just the energy exchange of fighting and defeating that monster. And that king's foil uh, leaf, Aragorn, goes and retrieves it to save them from the brink of death, while the common folk treated that as a weed, much like you might go find some dandelions in your yard and use it to deal with all kinds of stuff, even though con common consensus is like, that's nothing. So anyway, this is just, I'm inspired by this whole idea that the one who can fight must also be able to fix. Totally. Yeah, man. Yeah, it is. It is just, uh, you know, that beautiful yin yang when you find this void that you didn't know was there and now you must go and, and fulfill it to find balance, you know, to make it make things right, even in your own way of thinking. Yeah. So in that, you know, I'll circle back to that, too, uh, because so I went on to massage therapy uh, into massage school. And on the very first day, uh, kind of an, an interesting alchemical wedding here, I was sitting in the front of the class, you know, and I wanted to be the alpha, the leader and we had to go around the class and introduce ourselves. So I was the first one. I'm the Leo, you know, of course I'm going to be, the, you know, let me, let me, let me take the mic. And so I get on there and I tell everybody how noble I am now because I'm, I want to learn how to heal. And I know all the martial no arts. What's that? You got no bull, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yep. 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 And uh, yeah. So I, you know, I kind of big up myself in front of the class and, uh, then the, in the very back of the class, the last person to speak was this beautiful, beautiful goddess. Oh, uh, I'll say her name, uh, Anna Peterson. And um, she was on a whole nother level of, of humanity. She was so advanced in so many ways. But she's in the back of the class, you know, uh, letting everybody else go first. And her, her introduction was, she said that she was a uh, accomplished dancer, 
that she had been at, at Ball State and you know earned her uh, her degree in uh, dance. And uh, she said a phrase I'll never forget. She says, "I am a body junkie," and that just rang. That struck me. I was I, I maybe I'm a body junkie. I want to be a body junkie. If I'm not, teach me what that means. You know. Worshiping um, in the temple. Yeah, yeah. And so after class, you know, she uh, pulled me aside and uh, she says, so you say you're into martial arts? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I did this, I did that. I've done this, I've broken boards and, you know, and I know how to sew, how my swords work. And, uh, and she says, have you ever heard of Capoeira? And then there's that void again. I'm like, no, what, what? How, say it again, and you know, a couple what? <laughs> and she says, "Capoeira, Afro-Brazilian dance fighting." And she does this little jig, and I see in her body, I'm like, "Wow, she can, she can." Just that little jig she did when she said the word, I'm like totally charmed. And she says, "Well, I teach classes, you know, once a week. You're welcome to come down. We'd love to have you. You know, I think you would like it." And boy, was she right. Uh, so I went to the first class and, you know, the the mechanics of Kapwada do not make sense in the beginning to any martial artist, maybe to a yogi. They might make a little sense to the yogi because you get down on the ground, you, you embrace the earth in ways that at first you just, uh, it's a whole new language. And it is, it's in uh, Portuguese. You know, the movements are Portuguese words. And uh and I just, you know, after maybe an hour and a half of the first class, all I have learned in my first class is how to get out of the way. Uh, and that is rule number one of Aikido. Rule number one is get out of the way. Any real path of true mature warriorship is about first and foremost, avoiding conflict. As soon as you're in a, a fight, you've already lost, you've already broken laws one through five or whatever. <laughs> Yes, sir. You're, already, you're losing. Even if you win that fight, you lose just by being in a fight. That's exactly right, Chance. We are of one mind, you and I, man. Yep, yep. So, yeah, so I learned how to get out of the way for an hour and a half. And at the end of the class, she, uh, she, we begin what's called the hoda. It's, it's the circle where the game is played. And we stand in the circle. And uh, in a larger class, if you have enough advanced students, you can facilitate live music and you will actually play in the instruments. And there are some, uh, there's the tambourine, you know, and there's the, the Congo drum. They're, they're called something different in Portuguese, but we know them as the tambourine and the Congo drum, you know, the, the scrapey stick and the cowbell, you know, those are, those are fundamentals. But then there's this one instrument that is incredibly exotic. It's called the beer and bow. And you might be able to see, it's very faint, but this is a Birambao leaning on the chair here. And you see he's in the circle, which is inside of the circle. And she invites me to come and play with her. And the and so I start doing a little juke and weave to the music, you know, trying to mimic what she's doing. And... Um, and then the first first move I tried to initiate is a somersault. <laughs> and I just do like a, a roll on the ground and try to spring back up like a cat, you know? And she shakes her head, no, no, no. 
<laughs> she says, she says, in Capoeira, you uh, you touch the floor generally with only your hands, your feet, and sometimes with your head. But you don't get your elbows, you don't get your knees, and you definitely don't want your clothes to get dirty. You always want to look nice and presentable. And a sign of a bad capoeirista is one who has a dirty butt or, or you know, dust on their jeans. You know, you always want to be impeccable at all times. And I thought, well, that's a, that's a difficult rule. <laughs> Can I po- poke in here and just say, uh-huh. like, we got shells on shells. Our fields are a layered onion of sorts. And just like you can have a emotional plague that distorts your vibe and dirties it up on the feeling level, dirty clothes looking, looking real, you know, raggedy ass that (laughs) that's the, that is the energy you're giving to the world too. So I'm not saying that like, it's not a, it's not against the law to get dirty, play in the mud, roll around, but just generally we got to keep that in mind that the face that we present to the world has everything to do with our choice of wardrobe as well and how we maintain mm-hmm. that particular shell of the field. And yes, sir. if we want to, if we want to project confidence and self-love into the fractal, it helps to be real slick. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. And she even, uh, I'm pretty sure she pointed out that traditionally, uh, you know, in, in Brazil, that the slaves, they work set six days a week. And that it was the seventh day was the only day that they got to practice capoeira. And be, and that day was designated for church going. And so they would go to church and make their appearance and, you know, observe those social norms. But then they didn't have time to go home and change and get, you know, their capoeira clothes on. They did the capoeira in their church clothes. And that's another reason why you adhere to that tradition of staying clean and having purity of intention. Um, and so uh, at, so after that, now I know that I can't just flop around on the ground and call it capoeira, that I, there are certain rules that I'm, I'm sticking to here. And so then she brings me back to the beginning again, and she goes into this maneuver that still to this day, after 20 some years of capoeira, I, can't, I cannot even come close to the grace in the style, in the cunning that she that she presented to me in that one moment. She went into an inverted handstand. She's looking me in my eyes the whole time, smiling like a goddess. And then she does the splits and still looking in my eyes. And then she spins into a double helicopter kick. And I get out of the way for the first one. And just when I stand up, there's another one coming. She does a double helicopter kick to my head while staring me in the eyes, spinning on her hands. And then I expect to hear her hit the ground when she comes out of it. I expect it to make an impact. Like a cat, she just rolls over the earth and come standing again. And she was staring me in my eyes the whole time, smiling as beautiful as could be. And I was so in love. Shakti. Shakti, buddy. Yeah, man. That's something. I was taken. I was utterly taken. And it was amazing because like, I'm in love with 
the art that's coming through her and what she's expressing and the depth of the cultural uh, uh, sensitivity that she's conveying. But she was beautiful, too. I was in love with her and everything that she stood for and understood. I wanted to know. I wanted to know biblically and spiritually. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yo, aesthetics is yeah. the ground of philosophy. And it's yeah. lost. It is lost in this world right now. And it is actually super helpful to just follow beauty in everything like yeah where the beauty at you go that way there's a reason why we have this innate sensor for beauty and it's because that's where the flow at the flower yeah. the flower is beautiful that's exactly it she was the flower and she bloomed in front of me you know it's with a smile like the buddha you know it's amazing what these bodies can do and what we can do in them and Maybe even more amazing than that is how far removed we are from that potential as a society. And man, there's only up to go from here. And that gives me a lot of excitement. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, that, so that was my path. She had, she had opened a door that I could never back out of. And I've, uh, just, uh, spent 20 some years just pursuing that, that beauty, you know, that aesthetic, of you know the being graceful uh you know being forgiving have, being a good sport and you know there's a so there's a phrase in capoeira uh i am the student who teaches and i am the master who learns and you know right there that you know that maxim is enough to keep you yeah to keep you locked in for life um, but there's a there's another rule that comes back to that, you know, the king's hands and uh, and being the healer. And uh, one, one of those rules, a lot of people, when they see Capoeira, they say, you know, why don't you just why don't you just knuckle up? And the answer is because culturally in, uh, you know, in Brazilian and African and uh, indigenous cultures, the hands are made, are, they're designated for creation. And you want to keep them clean for the things that you're going to create. And it is the feet that are made for knocking stuff over and doing the dirty work. Yeah, they touch the soil. In the soil. Yeah. That makes sense, man. Yeah. So, uh, so Capoeira is, it's very, uh, the kicks are uh, uh, very elaborate. And uh, incredible, you know, the, the, the angling and the, the, the gaining of position in order to, uh, to execute these very elaborate kicks, um, you'll, ne you'll never learn it all. You, nobody could ever learn all of it, but it is. It's very, uh, it's, it's artistic and uh, it's captivating. And, uh, and there it is again, that spell, that compulsion to move, to dance. You know, you get you get going and other people that's that sympathetic magic, you know, they connect with you and now they want to dance and they feel fulfilled when they obey that compulsion to move. Um, so, yeah, essentially the first spell I ever learned in uh, that magic bookshop that my aunt opened up, uh, that spell has actually wow. uh, taken hold in me. And now I live uh in that spell 
<laughs> I can relate, man. Dancing is my jam. I just went to, I got the coolest personal friends ever. And last night I was at a birthday party for our September friends that are born in this month and out in the middle of the woods and on some farmland far away from the cities. <laughs> we had a huge shipping container, dance floor stage built, multi-leveled, uh, you know, all strung up with lights and decorations and a DJ platform. And we're all wow. like doing our flow arts, flow toys, dancing. I, there was so, I couldn't even describe the variety of movement arts that were being expressed for no purpose other than like, you know, nothing recorded, no money exchanged, not an event with a name or a title, just there to celebrate life and be in that moment of ecstatic, exuberant movement and enjoyment, you know, so good. And, and I just know that not enough of the world is experiencing the magic of that and how in how infectious, how viral in the positive sense of the word, that type of energy movement is the Shakti that comes through when your electricity is in full flow and man, I love it. So this was an unexpected kind of an unexpected journey <laughs> to get into this level of talking about, I didn't know this background with you. I knew you were a martial artist, but this leads me to a question that I've been holding here for a second. Yeah. I want to know your opinion. And I also want to come back to Avengers questions in a second, but let's see where we get, you know, I know <laughs> time feels like it's going slow, but when I look at the clock, I'm like, Ooh, we're moving. But I want to know how you see physical self-defense training relate to occult, occult knowledge. Uh, because, you know, is there a connection between learning the signs and symbols to a form of self-defense? My answer, I've said my answer before, so I just want to get your answer here. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's a great question. That's a great question, Chance. You know, um, so, uh, as a, uh, I have also, uh, partaken in some very hands-on uh, physical and very uh, spiritually involved uh, training of self-defense uh, in Colorado. Uh, I lived, spent, uh, I guess, 16, 18 years in Colorado. And um, so when I got that patch, when I was a kid at the age of 12, uh, I would read um, Black Belt magazine and in Black Belt Magazine, uh, periodically, there were articles on a form of training um, that is, was called at the time, it was called Bullet Man Training. And the Bullet Man Training is where a group of facilitators who are very accomplished in martial arts, they will uh, put on a padded suit. It's called the padded assailant suit. And it's essentially football gear uh, and um, uh, lacrosse pads, uh, but with even more padding on top of that. And so it's a football helmet with carpet pads and duct tape and carpet pads and duct tape until your helmet is about this big and there's no room for movement for your head to be, experience injury. It's all padded up. You can still move your head a little bit, but you're like a big robot in a padded suit. And then you have a coach who will um, lead people through uh, scenario-based training. And we go all the way from just from verbal uh, conflict 
and then we build it up slowly over the course of a few days, and then it goes into the full the full force, you know, fighting for your life type of uh, situations, and that is where the you know the physical meets the spiritual. You know, the mind and the matter are all thrown into this soup, and if you're in uh, the right environment, a lot of healing, you know, can be facilitated. And we would, in the end of the training, you know, once we've kind of brought out the the tiger out of these pussy cats, you know, and they have a sense of of uh, of capability. At the end of the weekend, everybody has an opportunity to do what's called a custom scenario, and they would be able to essentially recreate a situation or a trauma that they've experienced, and they are literally rewiring themselves to uh, to relive what, what might have been a traumatic experience, but this time to do it the wish the way they wish they had done it before, or even to make a covenant with themselves that this is how they will handle it if it ever happens again. And they are literally, uh, they become very powerful manifestors. And the padded suit uh, gives them that safe space, you know, to bring out whatever they're, they, the, the self-preservation instinct that a lot of people uh, have not have, had cultivated in their life. And, um, and I have seen some profound works being done in that arena. Uh, not myself, but my my instructor, you know, he was able to do some personal uh, custom scenarios for people that it's that are horrific to even talk about. You know, I don't want to bring in details, but he was able to embody a shadow that was so dark and so morbid that, you know, the, just talking about it is, is kind of brings down the vibe, but he did it in a healing capacity, you know? And so my instructor, I was able to watch him put, put on a mask for other people to play the role of the worst, most despicable aspects of humanity and give women and elderly people and even children the chance to see that and to react in a way that uh, brings out the, you know, the warrior, you know, and people rise to the occasion right before your eyes. And, you know, in one moment, you're just, I'm aghast to see my, my instructor saying these things and embodying this, these horrible nightmares. He's bringing them to life right in front of us. And then I see the, you know, the woman who was once she was a victim or a survivor uh, when she came to the to the training, but she turned into a warrior and she conquered. And uh, uh, it really uh, reinstills your faith in humanity to watch people uh, accomplish what they their own dreams, what they never knew they were dreaming for. And uh, and it happens right there in front of your eyes. And so. Uh, so that's another level of, you know, self-defense uh, where it becomes spiritual, you know, and part of that is being able to become somebody else's shadow that, you know, that they need. And it's 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 uh, it's intense work. You know, when I come home from those trainings, I, I have like the foulest mouth, 
And, you know, some residue is still on me and I have to go through purification to come back to just being kind and true. And uh, it is, it, it's a, it's a really intense process, but that gives me quite uh, the perspective on what a mask uh, can be used for. I love it, man. I feel that way. I ex expressed this on Vibrant last week, but that all the distortion, the distortion in our field is like a debugging process for self or source where once we've experienced that distortion, we're, we are now guarded against it or we've patched up the vulnerabilities in the holes. And like, when I look at what's going on in the world right now, this will never happen again like this. I don't think right. unless it was all slate wiped clean and we had to start from scratch because in the same process happens in the big corporate world, you got your giant databases that billion dollar computer networks and everything's running off of this and financial infrastructure and they hire hackers or they, you know, they put out a call and say, we'll pay a hundred thousand bucks if you can breach our system and tell us how you did it. That's the exact same thing that God is doing with life all the time by bringing us what we experience as distortion and evil. And even though, you know, that hacker might think I'm a badass, I'm going to wreck this thing. Uh, at the end, their character, they're, they're wearing a mask and they will return to self or to God and, and realize, oh, this was just a role. And, and it's not really, I'm not the mask, you know, no matter how far into it they get, how into it they are, how method acting. Right. But, yes. and another idea here is just like, when you toughen up, you strengthen the skin, the skin is the derma and derma is the anagram for dream. So the tougher you are, the harder you dream and <laughs> the better you dream. It's so real. Oh, Chance, I love you, man. You're freaking <laughs> awesome. <laughs> love you too, dude. I'm having so much fun. I now, love that. In this free hour, let's get back into a little bit of the, the Avengers movies, the tarot, because mm -hmm. first of all, let's see how to frame this. Like, you know, okay, to answer my own question earlier about self-defense and learning symbolism, I think that psychic self-defense is symbolic literacy. Because this the idea of resonance through sympathetic magic that is in in play when we're dealing cards through these movies is that if you don't realize and recognize these inner archetypes that are being distortioned through the screen, <laughs> the filter that you're seeing it through, then you don't understand how your sympathetic resonance is going to influence the fractal by accepting and believing in a poisoned or distorted worldview. But once you realize that this is just a play that you're watching and that the archetypes, you are in conversation with them, you influence them and they influence you back, you begin to take agency back away from the agents of the state, <laughs> of the corrupted state. So when it comes to the movies, uh, the Avengers movies, you know, I kind of answered one of my opinions here, but what do you think the purpose is in, in Hollywood of encoding tarot into everything? I mean, even that movie we watched the other night with the, uh, the spiders and, and fam on the, the telegrams, the, the golem and how we were spotting tarot aspects in that movie. Why do you think that this is always encoded or so commonly encoded is 
Do you agree with my assessment on the sympathetic magic? Is there more that you could get into there? Yes, yes. Uh, I totally agree. You know, the, so the fundamentals of the self-defense that we teach, we call it the ABCs, and that's awareness, boundaries, and then C is choice, commitment, combat, control. There's a lot of C's. Um, and Speaking uh, of C's, I just want to also throw in, just to finish out like the direction I'm intending this flow to go, is uh -huh. that in these Avengers movies, for those who don't know, there is encoding, there is a code relating yes. to the corona, the sun virus, right? And uh, the idea of <laughs> don't take the shot <laughs> is in there. I mean, it's right there in your face. And warning of the mass extinction event, the snapping of our fingers metaphorically, and in a few years, maybe there's only half of us here, is that becoming possible because it was inserted into the group mind through these widely popular films that supposedly like the final Avengers movie was the biggest grossing of all time. And it was gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I now call it, I call him Anthanos Fauci. You know, and I laughed at that. <laughs> yes. Yes. I cough. It, it is. It's a, it is, it's a weed. Go ahead. I cough. I backwards. <laughs> you got it. You got it. So, and that is kind of horrifying, but you know what, what it seems to indicate is that, you know, those who are spiritually aware enough to read the signs and symbols, uh, you know, we're getting the, the disclaimer and we are, uh, being informed uh, of what, you know, what not to agree with, what not to go along with, what not to believe, what, and so for those of us who can see through the code of what's being put into plain sight, uh, and I, I know this sounds, it's kind of morbid, but, you know, we've, we're being initiated, and because we've been initiated, because we're awake enough to see what these signs and symbols mean, uh, then, you know, we'll make decisions based on that, our intuition, and then, and therefore, you know, we'll make it through to the next, to the next phase of the, of this process. And people who don't get the signs and symbols, who aren't reading the fine print, uh, you know, they're going to march right into oblivion. The threshing. And, the threshing Tri tribulation means threshing separation of wheat from chaff. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, that is kind of what I think uh, the Avengers uh, sim symbols have been telling us is that, you know, there is an alchemical process at play and there will be a dividing, a separating. Um, and then, uh, you know, and that is uh, ultimately what happens at the end is there's a, uh, a conflagration where they uh, the, where they bring that which has been separated, it returns into this grand uh, mixing. And if you really, if you think about it, you know, that final scene where Dr. Strange and the 50% of the population return, um, that that is the, the, it's a magical blending of three forces. You know, there's the, 
at first it's the good guys and those who did not get disappeared. And then the portals open up and there's that third component. And that's that alchemical, uh, you know, uh, triune, uh, hermetic uh, procedure. Uh, so yeah, this, all the signs and symbols are, are, are kind of uh, plain and uh, obvious to those who know what they're seeing and know uh, how to stay aware and informed and and thereby that defines our concept of boundaries. And when it comes time to make a choice, our choices will be more informed than the people who didn't read the terms of the agreement. And so, yeah, you're right, man. Um, the Avengers was definitely giving us, uh, you know, the blueprint of uh, the things uh, that are yet to come and that uh, that have come to pass already, you know, and it just, it, it does, it has infinite value. You know, the, the winter soldier, he's got the, the metal arm, you know, and now we have people with magnets on their arm, you know, and if you're, if that, if that's just a coincidence to you, then, you know, maybe you're going to get turned into ashes and disappear for five years until the, until the, the end game. What's far out about that too, is just, that character goes back so much further than right now. And I know you've done conversations on Marvel and Jack Parsons and all that. And we don't have time in hour one to go deeper and geez, there's so little of my notes on your material that we've even touched here. It is (laughs) awesome. You're like the perfect guest, dude. (laughs) That's why I'm so excited about it. It's just like, you got, you really got, the knowledge and the flow in proportions that will Mm -hmm. inspire everybody to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, speaking of flow, if you got it on deck, because you mentioned it, but I forgot to ask before we got on the air, if you got it ready or can recite and you want to throw out some poetry, because I know that you are not just prosaic, but you're poetic. And that's what, that's part of that that uh, alchemical marriage that's required for initiatory information to be properly received. You know, you can't just read that Bible as a historical narrative. You need to understand the multi-layered symbolism. And in hour two, I want to discuss this idea of binary versus inclusive, you know, yes Mm -hmm. and versus true false, but we'll get there. So anyway, you got anything to uh, round us out on some poetry? Cause I'd love to hear it. Yeah, I have, um, I have, I have a, I guess I'll do uh, two pieces. One is is kind of quick, um, you know. And this uh, this piece is uh, it's called "Possessed States," and I mean that title in every possible sense of its uh, its meaning. Um, but this uh, is essentially a um, a synopsis of what happens when a person goes into court. And how that ritual and that uh, attempt at instilling remedy, um, how it is uh, actually a, uh, it's a spell, it's magical, you know, and people, they, they want to stay in that materialistic paradigm, but uh, what I want to do is put it into, its, into a strictly spiritual context and it does have a, you know, this is kind of calling out 
uh, pharmacia and dark arts for what it for what it really is. Um, so, uh, possessed states, egregious, antiquated, spellbound egregores perch upon golden branches, wearing black billowing mantles to summon long dead, increasingly begrudging fiat presidents. Hexenhammer gavel signals a commencement of cryptolingual implied consent, notwithstanding in common sense, trust, equity, or law. Upon high-staged jurisprudence, wigless actors practice never perfecting artful invocations. Thereby, wide-sleeved clerics conjure cursed minds to meet as necromanacled personhoods to swear in the name of the unknowable, believing beyond preconceived shadows of doubt. High mastery of the truncated jurisdiction teams with hubristic Article Three black-robed overreach, interning rights of use beneath nine dark-tenths ownership, reconstituting deep states of possession. Underdressed for undue duress and onerously capitulating quite outside of womb or good counsel. Man's echo of a vestige that once stood over blood wet ink on baby feet, now spirals original light into darkened two-dimensional oath sigils. Pin prick spears command him, thus barred into usury to assume a throne of uneven lesser stature. He appears under a cult order of ecclesiastic seal in time and place by the vested power of a name, therein activating a maniacal exchange of talismanic magics. Dude, we should have started with that and just went line by line and been like, okay, let's help everyone <laughs> grasp. Because, I mean, that is jam-packed. Not yeah. only is the wordplay pleasant, but the layers of meaning, that is one potent onion right there. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. Uh, a lot of cooking. A lot of cooking went into that recipe right there. Jeez, dude. <laughs> yeah. You don't get that anywhere else, people. This is this is a special <laughs> moment. I want everyone to know. This is yeah. slick dissonant is hitting the stage and things aren't gonna be the same. Man's got it. <laughs> <laughs> Love this. Yeah, so brother. uh how about we save another poem for yeah. maybe to finish out hour two? Uh can't make any promises on where we're gonna go, everybody, in hour two. I've got a lot of ideas, but let's just just trust us if after what you just heard, <laughs> you know, we did a lot of, a lot of Gabe's backstory and, and some really interesting things in the realm of martial arts and self-defense physical and psychic. But I'm thinking hour two is where we're going to 
really crack into some code breaking and that's definitely homeboy specialty. So uh, before we do that, do you want to give out any kind of contact information for people in this hour or do you want to reserve that for the paywall or not at all? Uh, do you want, is there any way that you would prefer people to maybe communicate with you if they're interested or would you rather they just come into your YouTube channel, leave some comments and you'll, you know, catch them there? Yeah. You know, um, I'm thinking uh, through the YouTube channel is probably the best, uh, you know, at this point I'm, I'm, you know, small enough that. I'll just say my problem is YouTube doesn't let people comment on my videos anymore. Yeah. It it acts like there's a glitch and they can't leave a comment. It is super annoying. Yep. I have seen that. I have seen that in, you know, to some degree I do, I do a lot of work around with my language and I try to imply and I leave it to the listener to kind of fill in the blank, you know, so that the, so that the AI doesn't catch on to what we're really getting at. But, uh, uh, at this point, I'm small enough that almost every comment uh, I get a chance to give, you know, personal attention. And if anybody wants to, you know, spark up a conversation, I'm more than happy, you know, to give out my email address and take it to the next level with anybody who's looking for it. So, yeah, so you can they find must seek to receive. And that makes total sense. But mm-hmm. I will say, I think we got I think we got people watching, not algorithms in our circle. In my opinion, because yeah, it is buddy. too much. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Slick dissident on YouTube. Anything else you got for the first hour, peeps? Uh, thank you for coming and you know giving both of us a chance and you know uh, growing this circle, making you know making this this movement uh, come to life. You know we are we are the resistance, and uh, there's only one direction we're going, and that's forward, you know, together, closer, uh, and uh, with no sense of distance whatsoever, regardless of the fact that we're across the country, you know, we are coming together. And, you know, uh, social distance is a joke. It's a joke. And, uh, and we're just going to laugh in the face of this thing uh, until it goes to rest, you know, and we'll, we will get the last laugh. That's for oh, yeah. sure. Yeah. And then we'll keep laughing after that too. Laughter is the medicine. All right. (laughs) I'm feeling it. Okay. We'll get on over to uh, the, the exclusive Patreon and Rockfin side of this chat. You guys catch us there. You won't regret it. Gabriel, my man, thank you so much. Unreal. How cool this was. Much love. Much love everyone. people slick dissident gabriel bringing the thunder like no other and of course we recorded that conversation on 919 that 19 that magical alchemical marriage energy oh my gosh i didn't even realize it was the 19th when we went in but i'm i'm not speechless about it i've got a lot to say and we'll get there but the energy of that is just jaw dropping especially in the second hour 
please, please, I really want to see a big bump in subs for Slick Dissident on YouTube. Just look up that phrase on YouTube or go to my show notes for a link to that. I want to see those numbers go up. I want Interverse fam to make an impact, not just on, you know, Gabe's confidence levels because he's doing a great thing. He's doing a great job. But also, let's absorb what he's got. You know, maybe some of the information is repeat for some of us who have heard it from other places or people, but let's take it and put our own spin on it and bring our uniqueness to it. And, you know, let's make this, let's make the few of us that can go there. And because I realize, you know, we're, what we do here is oftentimes not for everybody, but what we can do is synthesize these depths and bring the wisdom and bring the gems and the jewels to the people. And we can initiate people onto the path to truth, not you know, bogus initiations into collectivist dogmas that are antithetical distortions. Anyway, Gabriel's awesome. Unreal. Definitely lives up to that namesake, Gabriel, man of God, what it means there. Um, so, first of all, that stuff on martial arts at the beginning, the Brazilian dance fighting thing, that you would not believe how much that actually ends up connecting in hour two. And... I wanted to bring up in that part of the conversation, I was having trouble not interrupting more because there's so much popping into my head. And I think the flow is good. But martial arts proves energy. It proves it proves key or chi or vital life force energy. How else can somebody break a brick with their head when somebody else would break their head on the brick? Riddle me this. <laughs> it's, it's evident to me that attention, your spiritual currency is an energetic force that can move things, can break barriers, can, you know, penetrate impediments. And penetration through these artificial walls is what the spirit of rebellion and resistance is about. It's not just about self-defense and standing our ground. It's about going where we're not supposed to go, where we're not allowed to go. Not in a perverse sense, but in a completion sense, in a... <laughs> In a birthing sense, we need this synthesis to get out of the binary, true, false, fake, <laughs> fake cybernetic world, right? So anyway, plus extension, you guys probably know the drill, but you can catch the second hour where we actually went an hour and 15. We went over in the plus version. Uh, you can catch that on Rockfin and on Patreon, links in both. Patreon costs you five bucks a month and you get the whole archive of everything I've ever done. Please just stop and think about what a deal that is. And even if all you got is a month of in you, you know, sub sub up. It's only five dollars. I would like the reciprocal energy exchange. It helps me help you with this type of content to keep you content on your quest for whatever it is that you get out of this type of thing. <laughs> I know what I get out of it and it's everything. So Patreon.com slash interverse, rockfin, R-O-K-F-I-N.com slash interverse. Those are the channels, links in the show notes. Rockfin is 10 a month, but you get access to all the other premium channels on Rockfin. Huge deal, huge value, even better than the Patreon deal. So what did we talk about? We did get into the idea of binary versus inclusive, you know, getting out of that yes or no, uh, that true or false, and more into a yes and. Uh, I won't be able to talk about, I didn't quite note down everything that we discussed in hour two, but dude, it did get lit. 
we discussed MK Ultra, the longer history of MK Ultra, and the art born out of suffering versus out of flow and, and joy. A lot of talk on castration, the castrati class, the keys to the Mickey Mouse Club, and the men with fire, the pirates, that eye above the pyramid. We decoded the officers, the off-icers. We looked at the eunuchs of the pharaoh, the magicians of the pharaoh, our uniqueness, and how to become a fair row of peepholes instead of personas, persons. And so there's more than that, but the most mind-blowing aspect, I think, was when Gabe and I realized that we had almost shared, and maybe like literally, you know, these things, the beauty of magic is there's always room for doubt but if you do doubt then you break the spell (laughs) so we had i guess a shared telepathic dream experience that maybe some of the other people that we discussed that were part of these dreams also had in some degree but man that that dream stuff that we discussed that we both had these dreams last night it'll blow your mind it is worth the price of admission just for that some things that we didn't get into though um that i would like to in the future (laughs) (laughs) Well, a lot. Just everything on his channel. We'll just leave it there. Uh, We did kind of tease talking about Darwinian evolutionary theory and how to kick that in the balls. We'll get back to that in a future conversation. (laughs) It has to do with catastrophism. And like the quick answer is that if you recognize catastrophism as part of the cycles of the development of this realm, then you would have to be able to then dismiss Darwinian linear evolution because the so supposed millions and billions of years of amoeba to human being and that whole progression would be constantly interrupted and jeopardized by these catastrophes. And there's more to it than that, but we'll, we'll get back to that in future talk with Gabriel. Uh, another thing that we did hint at was that so many of the, on the subject of castration, so many of the maxims that we follow or that we hear have been themselves castrated. They've been cut uh, in the cut is not a kind cut. One that I th- find really interesting that I didn't realize is that we often hear and we quote and we share that the phrase know thyself is put above the doorways of the oracle at Delphi in the Greek mystery school tradition of the ancient world. But, and now I haven't vetted this, but it makes sense to me. And I think I've even heard it before, but Gabe says in his videos, It's actually know thyself in thy proper proportions. And that's it. That's what learning the mystery of the tarot will do is help you understand the proportions of the arc. And when the arc of the sky vault, the sky clock, and the more that you connect with that arc and recognize, recognize that arc within yourself, the stronger your bioelectric field can arc outwards and become an archive, an archive of truth, knowledge, wisdom, and vital life force energy, which is exactly what we require to stay in flow and to perpetuate life eternally. We have to keep that flow. The meaning of life is life. And that's, in my opinion, is all like, it's a simple, keep it simple, stupid. The meaning of life is life. Existence exists. Let's keep doing it. Let's not transmute ourselves into something dead and non-existent. Let's not pull the plug. Let's not return to the void. I like it here. I like what we're doing. Actually, I love it. 
And big lessons in my life lately, major lessons, particularly that no matter how difficult it might seem or how tempting it might be to not, even when boundaries are required or when tough situations are at hand, find the most love-filled answer. I've been off track on that a while. You know, I, I've known this before. There's, there's no pride. There's no righteousness that is more satisfying or more healing than love. And I don't care how hippy-dippy it sounds. I mean, sometimes love is a boundary, a, a strong boundary. It's helpful for both people. But that doesn't mean that we reject any part of our life or people or anything completely and abandon them out into the cold, even if they're hard, you know, even if they're the most hard-hearted individual, if they're the orange man bad or whatever, be thankful. Be thankful they exist. Orange man bad, he's done a lot <laughs> to harness, to, uh, to usher in Judgment Day. But Judgment Day, the apocalypse, is the lifting of the veil. All of your so-called enemies are here to reveal your weaknesses to you so that you can patch up the holes in your field and be all the stronger. And instead of whining about that and complaining and hating and dividing and living in fear well, where if it just wasn't that way, then everything would be fine and it's a binary true-false Accept it. Yes, this ex exists. This difficult energy exists. And I'm a transmute it because I can and you can. I hope you follow me. <laughs> um, so here's the thing. Usually before I record an outro, I've already selected a song that will be the outro song. I forgot to do that. I jumped straight from talking to Slick into recording this outro. Um, if you want to know the song that I'm about to play, please check the show notes for that. And I will put it in the video. It'll label the song during the outro music. It's one of my favorite parts of, of doing interverse is sharing music with you people. I like music <laughs> a lot. So, and I want people to find new music. I think that's part of expanding is to get out of the rut of, uh, listening to the same thing all the time or not listening to anything with flow or with beauty. Follow what's beautiful. What's good, true, and beautiful, as Lindsay over at Rogue Ways says. And I uh, will pick something good, true, and beautiful to play in the outro. I want to also plug, I'm glad that I just thought of her, because I needed to remember to plug One Day of Brightness, which is coming up on the 26th of September, where me, Lindsay, Michael Wan, Catherine O'Shea, will be providing our services, <laughs> our healing gifts, our knowledge, our wisdom, our connection with everyone that attends. I think there's not a lot of spots left. I mean, maybe by the time you hear this, there aren't any. But I would love anyone there that wants to be part of it. As I've been repeating elsewhere, for the low price of admission of like $60, you're getting access to work from all of us at once throughout the day and a recording of it if you can't make it through the whole day for whatever reason. And any one of us in a one-on-one -on -one session would be much more expensive than that. So, speaking of which, my contribution to the one day of brightness is a sound healing a group sound healing and i tell you what my my uh, insecurity or lack of confidence in the power of the modality is just vaporized lately some of the recent sessions i've done with people they really bring it all together for me and help me see what 
is possible. It's not my power. I mean, I have my spin on how I do it. My uniqueness is an art, is a craft. It's part of what makes it effective. But the fact is you can heal. You can heal a lot. You can heal anything. And when you put in the investment, the energetic investment with somebody that's authentically interested in helping you connect to that healing energy and even has a modality that operates as a scaffolding to which we can climb to that Helios energy, <laughs> catch up with Sundog, there's just no telling what's possible. You're really only limited by your imagination and what you accept is possible, especially with healing on the energy level. So let's do it. Hit me up. I still need to set it up on my website where it's obvious that I do sound healing sessions and remotely works. I won't go on about it, but it works really well remotely. Trust me. Promise you it does. When I do set up that section of my website someday, I will include testimonials on that. And that'll help maybe give you confidence that it's worth it. But right now, it's actually less expensive than it will be in the future to work with me because I'm still... I still am developing. Uh, I still feel good about doing a lower price than I'll do later because I want to get more clients. Later, I'll need to tone it down and have, <laughs> tone it down, see what I did there? I need to tone it down and have fewer clients just to be able to fit it all in. And I know that's coming, but right now I'm just really interested in working with people and helping balance their biofields, helping them feel the flow and restore, <laughs> you know, get rid of the blockages, uh, change. We're all here to change. We're not here to stay the same. We're not here to be in pain. We're here to play. I'm feeling that. It's so good. Man, the love is strong right now. Hope you guys are into it. So if you missed out on hour two with me and Slick, please go there. <laughs> Worth it. Worth the sub just for this one episode, not to mention all the other great things in the archive. Honestly, he brought out some really good stuff in me as a host. I love that. Uh, the reflection... The, the energy of that heroic, masculine, fiery reflection was just really good. And I could go on, but I won't. I'll wrap it up here. Join us on Telegram. Links for that in the show notes. We'd love that. Don't forget, we got Vibrant now. I have a whole new show. I've been, you know, talking it up. I'll probably have to mention it every week because I could just let you know what happened the previous week. But last week's Vibrant, we talked to Johnny Larson and, of course, a lot of people in the live chat and the community made their contributions and their call-ins on Vibrant. It's anything goes. We have fun. I laughed so much with Johnny. Like, we need that cathartic laughter. No evil can stand in the face of authentic laughter and joy. It just flees the scene. It is gone. It's, off. it's over. It's off. And we're on. And we had a blast with Johnny. He's a great artist. He's a cool hip-hop dude. Super cool. <laughs> Humble. Probably too humble, but it works. You know, that's his personality. Uh, Lindsay is his life partner, Lady Love, Lindsay from Rogue Ways. So she was in there calling in as well. She joined us for a bit of it. And we just had such a good time. And I think that's major missing from conspirituality, if that's what this is. If I had to label it, I kind of like that label. I'll go with it. Definitely don't feel like a conspiracy show, per se. And so... The whole point of Vibrant is to just be free, vibrant, laugh, enjoy it, bring people in that want to contribute something to the convo that otherwise maybe feel invisible or like they don't have a way to reach the world or they don't have the, the time or the means or quite the you know, the drive or the, the desire to you know make their own channel. But the, this is our thing. Vibrant is our thing. 
and you can join it and be a part of it, especially where it's at now. There's plenty of room for you guys to call in, leave, drop us a line. All of that really works through Telegram. So if you're not using it, I uh, hope you will. It's a lot of fun. We have great conversations over there. And there's going to be much more to come next week's Vibrant on Wednesday of this week, which will just be a couple days after this episode publishes on the 22nd, another powerful number, 922. We'll be joined by Matt Landman, the amazing activist and filmmaker, and uh, many times on this show before. But we're going to hang out with Matt, have some fun with him, maybe see if I can get some of his crazier life stories out of him just for the entertainment value. (laughs) So that's what we're doing. There's a lot going on, just expanding in all directions. We will have Slick Dissonant back soon. I am really into what he's doing. I'm all in. And like I said about the music that you're about to hear now, after I went on several more minutes, I'll link that in the show notes too. All the links in the show notes. Slick's channel, One Day of Brightness. It'll all be there. Get in those show notes. Go to my website, interversepodcast.com. That's where you can find all the further connections to further reading material, supplementary info. And we'll call it for now. Uh, If you do want more Slick, Weaving Spiders, welcome. He's been on there a lot too. That's another great YouTube channel. I will keep plugging them because they are awesome. Mind-blowing stuff. And we're done. Wrapping it up. Always a blast to be in this flow, in this space together. And, um, you know, I'm dreaming about all of us coming together. And it's happening. It's really beautiful. And I'll catch you guys soon. Much love. Bye-bye.
funky on the beat. 